1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live post-game show. Your Lakers just picked up a nice road win over the Brooklyn Nets, 106-96. Anthony Davis back in action. We'll talk about that, what we saw from him. LeBron James have a game. He had an incredible performance tonight. Looked fantastic. Energized on both ends of the floor. Got a lot to break down with him. Russell Westbrook. Had some turnover issues, but also made some really nice plays as well. And Malik Monk, the guy coming off the bench for the Lakers. A lot to get into from this one. So if you're coming in live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. We're going to be taking your questions and comments throughout the night. Joining me, Sean Davis. Sean, how are you doing?
2: Some Trevor, uh, great win tonight. And yes, AD is back and I am happy. Let's go big one.
1: Yeah, AD coming back was a was a big, big help for the Lakers in this one. And we're going to talk about it, because if you look at his stat line, you just go, eh, okay, whatever. He had like eight points, couple of boards, right? But he actually made a really big difference on the defensive end of the floor, and we're going to talk all about that. But let's start with LeBron James. 14 of 21 shooting, two of eight from three, seven boards, six assists, three steals, two blocks, 33 points. My goodness, is there anything LeBron can't do? He was absolutely phenomenal, including making the big plays. Got a couple of steals back-to-back that led to breakout dunks for LeBron to really put the game away. LeBron, I mean, let's just, let's spoil it early. Not like anybody didn't know this. The 360 award, the first time in a while that we actually had all three players, 3-6 and 0, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Westbrook. And it's clearly LeBron James getting the award tonight.
2: Yeah, I don't even think we should have to build some suspense. It's LeBron. Um, By the way, those two back-to-back dunks, the first one was because they blitzed it. And, yes, so kind of got some of the Frank Vogel uh, mm-hmm. of old in terms of defense in this one, uh, especially in that small ball lineup with LeBron at the five. But, man, yeah, good to win. LeBron's 360, no doubt.
1: Easy decision on that one for LeBron James. Loved what we saw out of him. And I mean, we look at the box at the box score and we think offense. LeBron was great on the offensive end, made some big shots for the Lakers. But I really loved the defensive energy. We've been saying this since the day LeBron walked in the door, that what winds up happening with the Lakers energy-wise is that they go as LeBron goes. When LeBron is up and he's making the extra effort and he's flying across the floor, everybody else does too. Because... Who are you if you're just a rotation guy to not put in the effort that a 37-year-old LeBron James is putting in who's in the in the conversation for the greatest of all time? And so when LeBron really is going on the defensive end, everybody else does too. And that's what we saw from the Lakers. And some of that might be some, you know, a little extra electricity in the air from Anthony Davis coming back. But LeBron was really noticeably flying all over the place. His closeouts were on point. And I think that got other guys locked in and engaged too. So from a defensive standpoint, well, it was far from perfect. I like the energy that we saw from the Lakers in this one.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. LeBron was locked in defensively. Anthony Davis's return, obviously, I think we uh, had gave this Lakers squad a lot of energy. Um, and, yeah, they, they were really active defensively. And, yes, yeah, Stanley Johnson got those two fouls, and he probably won't get any uh, six-man, not six-man, next-man-up recognition. Mm-hmm. But I want to give him a special shout-out because he played his, his butt off tonight, being the primary defender on James Harden throughout key stretches in this game. So I just want to give Stanley Johnson a bit of a shout-out.
1: this one especially given that he picked up two very quick fouls in this game stanley johnson did and i'm grabbing some super chats as they're coming through here guys but stanley johnson picked up two quick fouls finished with two fouls now part of that was because in the second quarter he was shying away from contact to the point where he was allowing people to score but Overall, I thought Stanley Johnson, knowing that his job was just to try to stay in front of James Harden, just bother him as much as you can, thought he did fine. James Harden, by the way, still had an excellent performance. Triple-double, 33 points, 12 boards, 11 assists, 2 steals for him. He was great in this one, Uh, 11 for 24 shooting. I'll get to the free throws, the fouls in a little bit because I don't want to go too negative yet. We're still happy over a Lakers win Stanley Johnson I liked what we saw out of him tonight and uh and I like that Frank Vogel moved him back into the starting lineup we've been talking about this Trevor Reza, who did not play tonight by the way it was a DMP coach's decision it just wasn't working with him in the starting lineup Vogel took him I think it took him too long to get here but the correct decision is Stanley Johnson in the starting five.
2: Yeah, we talked about it in the after the Heat game. We were like, okay, hopefully Bogle changes the lineup up, assuming Anthony Davis does return in this game. We didn't know if it was this game or in the upcoming games on this road trip. But in and, and we were right. They changed the rotation a lot. Stanley Johnson is now back in the lineup along with Anthony Davis. And, yeah, no Trevor Reza tonight, which, I mean, I'm not going to say it was wrong, but it was a little surprising, I'd uh, say at least, to not see Trevor Reza at all in the rotation tonight.
1: Well, and this is kind of why we predicted that this is when it was going to happen. When AD returns was when Vogel was going to switch it. Because now he's got that built-in excuse. I'm not, like, if you're still running the same lineup and you just pull Ariza out of the starting five, that sends the message that he simply wasn't good enough. Now, with AD coming back, you can say, well, chemistry-wise, we thought that this group with AD being on the floor is just a better fit. And so we wanted to go that route. So... In terms of Ariza's mentality, because I do think they're going to need him at some point in the season, as far as Ariza's mentality goes and the, the public facing spin on this, it can be, well, you know, we still like Trevor Ariza a lot, but just in with AD on the floor, we felt Stanley Johnson meshed a little bit better. So it's a fit thing, even when I think most watching could say that Stanley Johnson has been outplaying Trevor Ariza for, for some time now.
2: Yeah, I don't think Trevor Reese is going to be a guy. I think he's going to get kind of the Dwight Howard treatment where there's games where he might get 15 to 20 minutes a night and then there's going to be games like tonight where he just doesn't play. And I think part of that is so that when he does have to play those 15 to 20 minutes per game, he's able to have that energy and he's not burned out because he is also still coming off of an ankle surgery they had in the offseason. So, yeah, I, I like the way Frank has handled the situation with the rotation so far.
1: I've got some people in the chat reminding us, of course, don't get too happy. They're missing two of their stars. Yes, of course. Right? Yes, the the Nets are without Kevin Durant. They're without Kyrie Irving. We know that it's a home game, so therefore they're without Kyrie Irving because he can't play home games. So, yes, we know that that they're missing stars, of course. But regardless, the Lakers needed to win this game. Is this just like the last win the Lakers had. When the Lakers beat the Orlando Magic, people are coming in saying, saying, oh, but it's the Orlando Magic, so it doesn't matter. No, but the Lakers need to beat the teams that are in front of them right now. They're back to 500. It's about stacking up as many wins as you can and beating the team that's in front of you. If that team is missing some players and you still get the win, that's still a win that the Lakers so need. So what? It's a win, yeah. Exactly. it's, yeah, it's a win. I, I know some people are looking for the one the, a big statement win, like you beat a, a full-strength team, a top contender. You go and you beat a full-strength Suns team or Warriors team or or someone in the top tier, right? You beat one of those teams. But these wins are important. You've got to stack these up right now, given how many losses the Lakers have already suffered in this season. So this was an important one. They came out, and they got the job done. All right, let's talk a little bit about Anthony Davis. Let's talk about Anthony Davis. So I've got a comment here. Kay Yaley said AD will move us up four to six spots in defensive efficiency alone. So, Anthony Davis, if you're just looking at the box score, you're like, eh, eight points, two rebounds, two assists, one steal four blocks on a night that the Lakers got destroyed on the offensive glass, 18 to five in offensive rebounds yeah. and get this. Austin no, 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 no sorry. Six ESPN is not adding this up correctly. Oh, yeah. They have an offensive board for AD and five for Austin Reeves, but only five total. So there's something's off there, but Austin Reeves had five <laughs> offensive boards by himself. Almost all the offensive boards for the Lakers But the Lakers got dominated there. You would think Anthony Davis would have helped more in that area. So I could see where somebody could look at this game and say, yeah, this is kind of a dud comeback for AD. I think if you're paying attention to what happened on the defensive end of the floor, you'll see why Anthony Davis coming back was such a big deal. So Sean, I know you hyper-focus on on all this kind of stuff, on how the Lakers run pick and roll, how they defend it in, in particular. What did you see?
2: We saw kind of a return, and this is the impact AD has. And you can—I want to clarify. I feel like I've kind of trashed drop coverage so much that people think it doesn't work. It works. And AD kind of showed why it can work. They ran a little bit towards the start of the game and throughout periods of the game where they did go drop coverage. But we've also seen—saw a little bit more of the old Frank Vogel defense. They really started to blitz James Harden down the stretch where it was uh, winning time. They really start to blitz James Harden, so we started to see more of the Frank Vogel defense. But Anthony Davis, I like that super chat, I think it was, that said AD moves up the Lakers' defensive rating four spots by himself. That's true. And now you have some of these guys back. Reason, you know, he didn't play, he's back. Stanley Johnson, you grab him uh, and ring him in for a 10-day contract. You're going to eventually sign him for the rest of the season. LeBron was locked in. And, man, this Lakers team, these the, I think, blah, this was a little glimpse of what we can see from the Lakers defensively this season. They're not still even at full strength, still missing Kendrick Nunn.
1: And this is what we've been talking about with the Lakers defensively. Why Anthony Davis makes a difference? Because you can have a rim protector in there without giving up the perimeter quickness. And that's what we saw in this one, especially in the first quarter. We saw how many times did AD get switched onto somebody out on the perimeter, and he was Mm -hmm. just fine, didn't get burned, didn't get blown by. Like say, And this isn't against Dwight. We need to talk about Dwight, by the way. But Dwight Howard certainly would have gotten blown by. Uh, DeAndre Jordan. This is what makes Anthony Davis such a unicorn. Yeah, because he can do these things. He can give you size while still being quick on the perimeter and give you that switchability. And so that makes a big, big difference for the Lakers defensively. You saw a number of times where the Nets play getting to the basket was deterred because Anthony Davis was there in positions that a typical big man would not be. And so he made it, even if he didn't go drop 20 and 10 in this one, he made a difference on the defensive end of the floor for the Lakers. And of course, four blocks was nice. First play of the game was a lob for Anthony Davis. And as Frank Frank Vogel said before the game, Frank Vogel cautioned. He said, look, this is going to be part of Anthony Davis's, I don't know if the word he used was rehabilitation, but essentially he said that AD is playing his way back into shape right now. Rather than have him go through practices and working out, in order to get his legs under him we're putting him in games and letting in him an and, game. right and letting him build himself back up there so this is ad trying to get his legs back under him trying to get a little bit more uh experience after coming back from this injury trying to get used to playing again this is not 100 anthony davis this is anthony davis on the mend right now so we have to keep that in mind when we're watching him this is not full strength ad this is AD who hasn't been playing in a while, and it's going to take him some time to get really get his rhythm again.
2: He also has some really nice passes out of the post. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of them that the Lakers stand particularly convert on. I know Russ had one where he had a nice cut. I don't think he finished it. But AD also offensively has some really nice plays out of the post, and then obviously had that lob. And then I think Russ got him another lob as well. So I- I'm definitely satisfied with this performance from Anthony Davis. I thought he played really well. Uh, granted, I didn't expect him to have 30. So if you expect him to have 30, you're probably disappointed. But I, I thought he played really well tonight.
1: <laughs> Somebody said, did anyone else get that jump scare when Anthony Davis crashed to the floor with J- with James Harden? <laughs> yes. Yes. My, yes, my heart stopped beating for a yes. second. I was like, no, AD, don't go to the crowd. Just stay vertical, man. Just stay vertical. Uh, Lakers Nation for Life said, I feel a win streak approaching, Trevor. We look so much better on defense since AD returned. Look, like it's just one game. It's a game against a Nets team that is really... They, I mean, it's not even just Kyrie and KD. It's also Joe Harris, who's a major piece on for them on the offensive end of the floor. They're missing guys. But still... What we saw out of the Lakers defensively with Anthony Davis's back, Davis back, is what we were hoping to see out of the Lakers defensively, mm-hmm. minus the offensive rebound problems that they did have.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Also, somebody just commented, Sean, you, your next breakdown should be on AD's uh, impact on tonight. I love it. Great idea.
1: Yeah, that would be a really good thing to to showcase to really show people why the box score doesn't necessarily reflect the impact that he made, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. And I think that will be really cool to see. Uh, I've got another super chat here. Dre Johnson, do you guys think Russ not being able to take criticism is our downfall? Because with the report from Shelburne and then Shaq's combo with him. So he's referring to the Ramona Shelburne piece from today that there was a little bit in there that mentioned that the Lakers coaching staff, when they benched Russ a few games ago in the fourth quarter, there was some concern if they did that because apparently this has been a topic that's been discussed for a few weeks now within the Lakers coaching staff, do we bench Russ in the fourth quarter um, in crunch time? And so they finally did it, but that one of their worries was that Russ would get defensive in that scenario because, according to Shelburne, he has gotten defensive when he's been singled out in film sessions, which is interesting. Frank Vogel has always, and the, the players as well, have characterized Lakers film sessions as very collaborative. It's not Frank Vogel. Standing up there, yelling at everybody. That's not the way these go. There's a lot of different voices, a lot of people talking. They're working things out, figuring things out. Rajon Rondo, when he was on the team, was a major figure in these film sessions mm-hmm. as well. And, of course, he's known as one of the smartest players in the NBA. But that's the environment. And Russell Westbrook is getting defensive in that situation. Is that something to be concerned about, do you think, for the for the coaching staff? like Because this has been... This has been part of the foundation of the Lakers' chemistry ever since Vogel came on board. It's been that it's a very collaborative process.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. It kind of depends on how, again, this is a very collaborative process Frank Vogel likes to have with his film breakdowns or film reviews for his teams. Um, If Russ is kind of like having a genuine back and forth with the coaches in terms of, okay, I thought you wanted me to do this, uh, that's why I did that, boom, 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 and Frank's like, no. If it's kind of like that style, which it doesn't really sound like, then, I mean, I think that's I think that's normal. Um, if it's like Rush is outwardly yelling, then no, I don't like that, obviously. Um, but I, I think you're bound to have scenarios like this because of Frank's style of coaching. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's nothing, because there's just been so many reports about Russ, so at this point, it's, it's, what do you do with any mm-hmm. of them, really? At this point,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I've man. got oh, I've got a super chat here. I think this is a good observation from S Low. Said AD looks more slim down and lighter on his feet. Great defense by everyone. Everyone looked locked in. Great win. Let's go for a win streak now. There was yep. some talk about this, and this came out a few weeks ago. Jared Dudley mentioned this on a podcast that after AD got hurt, apparently he called Jared Dudley and said, "Hey, Dodds." what how did you lose weight while you had this injury because dudley also had an mcl injury so ad was looking Mm -hmm. for advice how do you how did you slim down even though you were hurt and you couldn't you couldn't go like run sprints or anything like that you couldn't go run the weight off or anything so what did you do right so clearly that was a goal for anthony davis and i agree I think he looks slimmed down. I think AD came into this season, and I don't fault him for this, came into the season thinking, the Lakers are going to ask me to play center more. I need to bulk up. I need to be able to handle the the physicality of the center position. And so he put on muscle, put on weight, and perhaps that contributed somewhat to the awkwardness and his movements that we saw this year and to him being a little bit more sluggish. Now he looks slimmed down, and maybe we'll see. This is just one night, but maybe a little bit quicker. So this could be a positive development in returning to the older, slimmer version or the previous slimmer version of Anthony Davis.
2: Yeah. And I thought even with his jumpers tonight, yeah, he missed a few. He rimmed out one of them. Those are good misses. I thought a lot of his misses were solid misses. And I know that my, well, he still missed a shot. You won the game. So I think you kind of avoid to have some of your misses and evaluate your shots. I thought his missed shots were good missed shots. Um, they weren't, kind of like really short like they were before he I mean this is speculation before he lost the weight mm-hmm. right but I thought Anthony Davis again I think even though he missed some of his jump shots he had that really nice one earlier on in the game for the Lakers second basket of the night and then he missed a couple of mid-rangers he had a fadeaway they missed I think that one he rimmed out um, but again a good miss there but yeah he definitely looked a little slimmer and his movements were definitely way quicker on both ends of the floor.
1: I've got Mook Morris asking, "Do you think Paul Millsap would be a decent trade target for the Lakers? I don't think the Lakers want to give up anything to get him, unless you're just swapping out. Like, you're yeah. going to swap DeAndre Jordan for for Paul Millsap? Sure, but otherwise, I don't think you're going to you're going to do that for the Lakers." Um, so yeah. I've got a comment here. This this may have never happened this season. I'd have to go back and look. I'm sure somebody has this. The comment is we made all of our free throws
2: yeah yeah that, that's a miracle the
1: lakers the 10 of 10 from the free throw. now again only 10 attempts so that's not a lot it's yeah. not a lot of free throw attempts small sample size if you will but still the lakers shot 100 from the free throw line i wonder if that has ever happened this season
2: now granted a lot more of their bet all oh, even russ he made his one Free throw now the Lakers free throw attempts came from the better free throw shooters. LeBron three of uh-huh. three, Mallow and Monk combined four of four. I mean AD hasn't been making them as well this year, and then Ross hit one. So yeah, I mean I still I think you still have to take it.
1: <laughs> based on the really. based on what the chat is saying, the chat is saying it's never happened this it has not happened this season. Which I mean to me that sounds right. I'm not I'm not verifying that right now, but that sounds right. That sounds right.
2: Yeah, that it wouldn't surprise me if it if it was right.
1: Um let's talk. Well, let me get into a couple more super chats. We do, we're going to get into the next man up award in just a minute. Um somebody said Kent Bazemore me laugh. The last minute of the game was brutal. Oh, 100, 100 clips of that. Uh, yeah,
2: look. That's step back 3. <laughs> Ken, yikes. Kent
1: Bazemore win. It's crunch time or not it's crunch time. It's it is garbage time. I haven't played in, in however many games. I'm getting shots up. I'm getting shots I'm getting up. Shots up. <laughs> and he, he went for it. He went for it. Oh, the chat is yeah. already getting into this. So let's, let's just do this. Let's do the next man up because the chat's already starting to respond. So next man up award. Chat, let us know who you think should get it. So if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, fire it off in the comments. Who do you think should be the next man up? That means not LeBron, not Russ, not AD, Who was the role player that you thought stepped up the most? So, Sean, I'll go to you because I know from what you texted me earlier, you were having a little bit of trouble deciding between a couple players on this one.
2: Okay. Uh, A lot of it, a lot of the chat is actually saying Monk. I want to know a couple of you guys are going with the guy. I'm going to go Austin Reeves. I was contemplating it. I don't want to take anything away from Monk. He had a phenomenal game tonight. Um, he had 22 points off the bench, six of 12 from three. He actually has, he had half of the Lakers three pointers tonight, oh. but so he was phenomenal, but Austin Reeves, he only had two points, but he had five offensive rebounds. He had, the, he had five offensive rebounds. That's just, that's insane. And then he had six assists. He had a couple of really nice passes, a lot of really nice cuts. And then he had like a few, a string of possessions in a row where he was really guarding, uh, James Harden really, really well defensively. Um, And then, yeah, yeah, Austin Reeves. Malik Monk was great, but I'm going to give mine to Austin Reeves.
1: This is why we were so surprised that Austin Reeves only got nine minutes in the previous game. Yes. He made it without scoring much. He made an impact on this game. He's a plus 13 on the night, second highest on the team. He was fantastic. He was fantastic. The Lakers could not get an offensive rebound. For a while there, it was, was it 15 to nothing, 16 to nothing in offensive boards? The Lakers had none. Yeah, it was bad. And then Austin Reeves, I want to say it was in the third quarter, grabbed the first Lakers offensive rebound. He was everywhere, picking up assists, kicking the ball all over the place, making plays, just making plays, making winning basketball plays for the Lakers. In fact, his first offensive rebound, it led to a Carmelo Anthony three at a point when the game was still in flux. And so, He had a great performance, but, but I'm going Malik Monk part in part because you win Austin Reeves, but I'm going Malik Monk 22 points, seven for 13 shooting six of 12 from three. My goodness, Malik Monk have a game. This guy has been phenomenal. To find a 20-plus point-per-game score on a veteran minimum contract is ridiculous. That's amazing. In fact, I'm just going to say, like Avery Bradley was not terrible tonight. He had some moments where he had to defend James Harden. He actually stole the ball from James Harden a couple of times. Yeah. But if you're going to put Stanley Johnson in the starting lineup, Malik Monk needs to be there too. I want that floor spacing. And I don't think there's a better floor spacer than Malik Monk right now. So for me, if I'm the Lakers and I understand Frank Vogel's got this affinity for Avery Bradley, and Avery Bradley's not a bad player. But if Mm -hmm. my lineup is AD, Stanley Johnson, LeBron, and Russ, those are my four that I'm starting with, my other guy has got to be a knockdown threat from behind the arc. And to me, that's Malik Monk. Not to mention that Monk was a flamethrower when he was in the starting lineup. To me, that starting five is screaming for Malik Monk to be in there as well, even though you do give up something on the defensive end. I think you get that back and then some with the spacing that he's going to provide you. I know Frank Vogel doesn't like taking Avery Bradley out of the starting five, but I think Malik Monk do is a it. real good fit, real good fit with that, uh, with that. Group.
2: Do, it. do it. Do it Frank. Come on, man. Malik Malik has just been phenomenal. And yeah, I know. Uh, I could have given it to Monk. Monk has been so, so good. Um, but I thought tonight Austin Reeves was great. And I wanted to touch to us with the starting five if with this current starting five, man, you're really counting on LeBron to knock down threes. Because we don't know if AD's jumper is all the way back yet. So we that's still, you know, to be decided. Russ is not a reliable shooter. Avery Bradley comes and goes. He definitely can't create for himself for three. And then it's Stanley Johnson, unless I miss somebody else. If you throw on Malik Monk in there, again, yeah, you lose something defensively. But, yeah, I I think you take that gamble. And if you're Frank Vogel, if Malik Monk isn't hitting shots, then maybe you go a little earlier with your rotation and swap them out. I I mean, yeah, I I think that's something that could definitely be done. Or vice versa. If you're not really stopping anybody defensively or Avery Bradley isn't knocking knocking down spot-up threes, you go to Malik Monk to try to space the floor out, and he'll knock down some shots for you.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Dre Johnson on the Malik Monk topic. And by the way, guys, I am saving some of the super chats that are coming in that we're going to get to, especially those that are referencing trades. I'm not going to drive dive into trades just yeah. yet, but that's coming. So I'm saving those. Dre Johnson said, I actually was telling some friends Vogel should rotate between AB and Monk starting depending on what shooting guard we're playing against. Now that's an interesting idea. I know Vogel wants consistency, wants to find some semblance of consistency for this Lakers lineup that has had so many players rotating in and out that they've had a million different starting fives at this point. So I understand why there might be some hesitation to do that. But if they're going to... Use Dwight in specific matchups. Okay. Maybe you could also make the argument that you can turn to AB or Monk, depending on the matchup as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's something we would see come playoff time. That just seems like something Frank would do in the postseason. Go swap out the guards based off of a series matchup. Um, maybe you have Monk star in a series where you're facing a really bad defense, you want to capitalize on that offensively by having Monk you know space to floor on him, he can average 16 in a series. Um or you're facing Golden State, you want Avery Bradley to harass Steph Curry. And so you start him. Um I think that's something you would do in the postseason. I'm not sure if Frank does that in the regular season because of the fact that the Lakers have been so banked up. So mm-hmm. you're trying to have some level of stability. Because the amount of starting lineups they've had this year is ridiculous. (laughs)
1: Um, Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about Russell Westbrook. So, Russ, I feel like this game was a microcosm. Like, we saw bad Russ and good Russ all in one game. All in one game. game. Russell Westbrook, 7 of 14 shooting. 0 for 2 from three, six boards, 4 assists, 1 steal. 5 turnovers, 15 points. We saw moments where Russell Westbrook made his defender look like he was standing still and got to the basket and scored. Hit a layup. Yeah. We saw that. We also saw Russ make mistakes in terms of turnovers. Think about the turnover right at the end of the second quarter. The Lakers have the ball. All they've got to do is hold it for the last shot. He goes early, tries to throw a pass to LeBron. I don't think LeBron was even ready for it at that moment. The Nets step in, steal it, score. Right? Next thing you know, a double-digit lead is now single digits heading into halftime. That hurts. Um, we saw plays like that from Russ. We also saw Russ being given a ton of space to shoot the mid-range jumper, and he took the bait. He took the shot. So we saw good Russ, and we also saw bad Russ in this game. And again, we, the good moments, you went, wow, <laughs> oh, this guy is fast. There were moments where, yeah. again, the Nets tried to defend him, and he was just a blur. He just flew past them, put the ball in the basket, and was a positive impact. So how do we really assess this game from Russell Westbrook when it feels like at any given moment, he was even either a great version of himself or a terrible version of himself?
2: I think he was, I think it was a fine game. I don't think he did anything detrimental to the team. I don't think he had, I can't even pinpoint an exact game off the top of my head, but I don't think he had a game we're like, man, Russell Westbrook really cost the Lakers. He had some boneheaded plays. I mean, don't, no question about it. But he made some plays. He had a couple of really nice cuts towards the basket. A one dive, I think LeBron found him. Um, he yes. had one, a couple really nice drives to the basket, um, just using his athleticism and explosiveness that he flashes here and there. Um, but yeah, he had those turnovers. He had some miscommunications and lapses defensively. But overall, I think it was an okay game for Russ. I don't think he did anything too bad to where he like, man, oh boy, you got to master lock him. I don't think it was nothing to that degree.
1: There was a point when the Lakers had, it was either four or five, maybe it was five turnovers, and all of them were for Russ. Russ. No one else had any turnovers. They were all Russell Westbrook, which is interesting because the last couple of weeks, he's done pretty well in terms of turnovers. He's really cut those back. Look at the last... It's been, oh my gosh, it's been the entire month. January 2nd, he had nine turnovers. Nine turnovers in that game against the Wolves. Since then, the highest turnover game he's had is three. This is his second highest turnover game of the month and we've made it all the way to the, almost the end of the month here. He's been really good at cutting down turnovers. Now part of that has been, LeBron's been handling the ball a little bit more and things, things of that nature. They've changed some things. So, I don't even feel right getting on Russ too much for the turnovers because I think that he's done a better job recently. Yeah, And I would like to think that this one is just an outlier and we're going to go back to seeing a more turnover free or fewer turnovers from Russ.
2: Yeah, I think the magic number is seven and he didn't have seven assists tonight, but I said seven, not turnover, seven assists Um, and three three or lower turnovers. That's a good Russell Westbrook game. He had four assists, five turnovers. That's in terms of uh, assist-to-turnover ratio, definitely not a good game there. But, again, I don't think he cost the Lakers tonight. Um, granted, they won, so maybe we've been thinking differently if, uh, if the Lakers had lost. But And the Lakers as a team only had eight turnovers as well. I think we also have to take that into account. If this was a game where the Lakers had 14 turnovers, you know, maybe we would think about it a little bit differently. But in a game where we had eight turnovers and Russ had five, I mean, I think I think you're fine, man.
1: Dre Johnson said, Russ and Stanley Johnson should just be diving and cutting. He needs to quit the mid-range shots and threes just drive and get to the line. He made a great cut. Sean, you mentioned this. He made a great cut and LeBron found him on it. Just great timing on it. Read exactly when to do it. Got a bucket and one on that, which was fantastic. But I agree. I agree. I also, there's moments when Russ walks into a pull-up jumper in transition, a 15-footer. The defense is nowhere near him. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like there needs to be, like a buzzer or something, that goes off, to remind Russ every time he takes that shot that he's not supposed to shoot it. It's
2: time to move. Yeah. They, yeah. Not, don't shoot it. They want this.
1: There needs to be something. He's that open for a reason. He's that open because the opponent wants him shooting that shot, because he has he doesn't make him. He doesn't make him. I don't think I've yet I've yet to see Russ. He's probably hit some, and I'm just forgetting. But hit the the little Dirk one-legged turnaround that he's been trying lately. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's made any of them that that I've seen. There's certain shots that he just can't take. There just needs to be a rule. Look, Russ, and again, I don't think Russ is is not a helpful player. I think he's a guy who absolutely can't help. But the rule needs to be, Russ, you can't shoot a jumper unless there's four seconds or less on the shot clock. Otherwise, don't take that shot. Work for something else because more often than not, it's essentially a turnover it's a wasted possession because he's again he's open for a reason the defense wants him shooting that shot
2: yeah every coach has a different philosophy with this because like some some of the coaches i've been around they're either hey there's definitely shots you are not allowed to take and then there's other coaches i've been around we like hey take whatever shot you want but you're gonna give a thousand percent effort defensively if you're going to take whatever shot you want and not have any consequences so I think it kind of depends but yeah Russ you yeah Frank there has to be a rule at this point Russ cannot take we, we should have a list Trevor of all the shots of Russell Westbrook cannot take and one of those need to be uh five seconds into the shot clock pull up jumper that is at the top of the yeah. list so do not take
1: Yeah, Russ, we could have a non-negotiable list for Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Look, if the shot clock is down, then you can take the shot. Otherwise, no, you're not allowed to shoot this shot. No. Um, Which is, it's tough to tell a guy who's been an MVP. I mean, literally the MVP of the league at one point. Hey, sorry, you're not allowed to take this shot, but that's the way it goes. Um, All right. Let's get into, all right. I'll start entertaining a few trades here. Uh, Wooldie said, Trade THT, Kendrick Nunn, DeAndre Jordan, a first and a second round pick for Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba.
2: Mm. I don't... Is THT, Nunn, and Jordan? Was that it? And then the first and the second? Did Mm -hmm. I get that right?
1: Yep. THT, Nunn, Jordan. Your first round pick, which is your 2027 first. And a second round pick in exchange for Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba, I feel like that's a little bit heavy on the Lakers, on Lakers yeah. side to be given up quite that much. Terrence Ross is fine. I think that when I see people tend to go straight for shooting percentages, right? Because that's that's today's NBA. And they see Terrence yeah. Ross who's shooting like 31, 32-ish percent from three, and they go, Oh, nope, nope, don't want him. I think of the Lakers, that percentage would go up. And I think he is talented mm-hmm. creating, creating his own shot, but there's skill set duplication with Malik Monk. So Terrence Ross has more size. He's 6'6". That allows him to do some things on the wing that Malik Monk can't do um, just just because he's bigger. But there's still some skill set duplication there with Malik Monk. I don't know if that's a move that I make. I think if you remove, and I don't know if the Magic would do it if you remove the first, but the draft pick is, is what gets a little bit heavy for me. Otherwise, I like that the Lakers, you're freeing up a roster spot. And here's the other piece that I like. Let's say the Lakers were kind of banking on Taylor Horton Tucker being their young guy of the future. Hey, we're, we're trying to win right now, but at least we still have this young guy that we can develop, right? Well, Mo Bamba can go into being that guy, right? And maybe the Magic are in a situation where they don't want to pay him. His contract is up after this year, so you have to pay him. Uh, if the Magic are looking at him that way, then maybe his value is not high enough to, to stop them from doing this trade. We have heard the Magic like THT. It's not something I would just instantly shoot down. But I don't think, if I'm the Lakers, it's not a deal I'm making, like, right now, right now. That's more of a, hey, trade deadline when we're there, nothing else comes up. Okay, maybe we'll give this a look. That's, that's my take on it.
2: Yeah, Mobama's definitely intriguing, though. Uh, that, that is definitely intriguing. And again, it's the first-round pick for me that kind of has me, ooh, that, that that's a lot. Uh, first and a second round pick, actually. Uh, that that's a little bit of a lot. And no, guys, I'm not 14. <laughs> Come on.
1: the but, the chat yeah. The chat can be mean sometimes. Uh, let's see. Benjamin said, "How about LeBron's back to back dunks? Offensively, we are better without AD. Defensively, not so much. Now, I think that once AD not gets well. into a rhythm, you can be better with Anthony Davis on the offensive end." In terms of floor spacing, sure. Teams are going to continue to sag off of AD until he proves that he can hit threes. His three that he shot tonight, I actually thought was in. I thought he was going to hit it. He looked very confident yeah. and comfortable shooting it, just didn't go down. But uh, on the defensive end, yes, AD makes a very big difference on the defensive end of the floor because of the things yeah. that we've talked about and what Sean's going to outline in the uh, the video that he's going to work on. So yeah, look, Anthony Davis, I think he was great. Uh, I think Especially on the defensive end for what he really gives the Lakers. The back-to-back dunks, That was the nail in the coffin. That sealed the game for the Lakers. The steals, the dunks for LeBron. That was when the game was officially over. And it was just sort of an an emphatic way to get the win, get revenge a little bit for Christmas Day. I liked it.
2: Speaking of Christmas Day, this is a very similar Nets team to the one that the Lakers lost to on Christmas Day. So come on, let's enjoy the win. (laughs) Literally the same team.
1: That is um, true. Well, that that game Patty Mills went berserk. This game he wasn't quite as good. Though if you bet if you bet the over on Patty Mills, um then like my guy Mark Gunnels was was recommending, then uh rip. then you made some money tonight as well as betting Lakers cuz they were a a minus 3 favorite on this one. But uh but Patty Mills wound up putting up what do you do? 15 points and it was at 13 and a half. But he shot 6 of 14 instead of roughly 150 percent from the field which he did on christmas day
2: hey this is the first game in the uh keys to the game era that the lakers have won so i'm pretty happy on that it's actually working a little bit
1: (laughs) they listen to you they listen i know right that's what it is that's what it is all right let's see i've got a couple more super chats we're gonna get to and then we'll talk a little bit about the master lock of the night Let me see here. (laughs) Some of the Kessler
2: Edwards on the island. Yes. Edwards could not guard LeBron. (laughs) Yes. That was rough for him.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the rebounding because this was a problem. This was a problem for the Lakers for most of, of the game. The offensive glass. Now, some of these were offensive rebounds in the form of missed threes from the Nets that just took long bounces. It wasn't so much. I saw a lot of people saying, well, just put in Dwight, and that fixes it. Some of these were the long bounce variety. Not all of them, though, and I think Dwight would have helped. In particular, there was a, a moment where Frank Vogel went no LeBron, no AD, no Russ, and his bigs, and I use that very loosely, bigs were Carmelo Anthony and Stanley Johnson. Yeah, The Lakers got... Destroyed. There were like four offensive rebounds in a a very short stretch. And so then he went back to LeBron. I think you can get away with LeBron at center. I don't think you can get away with Melo at center. I think there are going to be matchups where you have to play Dwight in there to get some of those boards and help you out. But part of it, too, is the guards. And part of it is just not paying attention to box outs. And I wish I could say it's as simple as, hey, try harder boxing out. But this has been a problem since day one, the offensive glass, where players just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And teams come flying in from the perimeter, grab offensive boards and generate second chance points. If the discrepancy was not 18 to five in offensive boards, this game was probably over in the third quarter, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Taking a game that the Lakers had to still have some starters in down the stretch, to a game that would have been a blowout, rest everybody in the fourth, that type of performance, if they would just taken care of the glass.
2: Absolutely. And I think the only reason why we didn't see the Nets wind up winning this game, first off, Lakers, I think, did a great job defending the three-point line tonight, which is one of my keys. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, you gave up those 18 offensive rebounds, but the Lakers heavily made up for that by winning the turnover battle. And they significantly won the, turn- the turnover battle. 18 uh, turnovers for the Nets compare it to only eight for the Lakers. If that is, if the Nets win the turnover battle, then I, I stand confidently the Lakers do not win this game because not only do you get out rebounded, you also lose the turnover battle, which means, I mean, because the Lakers won the turnover battle, they get more possessions, they get more shots. They actually somehow had more shots tonight than the Nets who had 18 offensive rebounds
1: somehow. And, that's kind of wild. Part of that is a lot of Nets possessions finished with free throws. So that leads to more, you know, more shot attempts because that's a possession where you put up points, but you didn't get a shot attempt. So 22 free throws for the Nets compared to just 10 for the Lakers. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot that went into this. Of course, the Lakers turnover wise, you can't complain. there, fine there, but the offensive glass is something that they do need to fix is the Nets aren't like this big bruising team right now. They just, made more of an effort. Now I'll also say they shot 42% from the field, 26% from three, the Lakers shot 47% from the field, 32% from three. And for most of the game, it was better than that. There were more misses for the Nets, which creates more offensive rebounding opportunities. So that's part of it. But that, uh, that doesn't completely explain that big of a discrepancy. The Lakers have got to do a better job on the offensive glass. But again, we've been saying that all season long. Somebody said, we need Miles Turner and all exclamation points. Miles Turner's specialty is not rebounding. I know he's a big dude, but he is not great yeah. on the glass. Really good shot blocker, can stretch the floor a little bit on offense, but rebounding is not really what he's known for.
2: Two quick questions, Trevor, for you. Where do you stand on THT? And do you think with when AD gets a little bit more reacclimated, to Plank and his legs lean back under him, he'll be able to help a little bit more with the Lakers' troubling offensive rebound problem. Or giving up offensive rebounds, rather.
1: For the second part of that, I hope so. I hope that he can help them. I hope AD can help you out a little bit there. But realistically, it's going to be a team effort. It's part of why Austin Reeves was so so effective. Flying around, right? And getting rebounds and getting (laughs) offensive rebounds. Because he got a lot of those mid-range rebounds, those long-bounce rebounds, I hate to bring him up, but Alex Caruso was really good at this. KCP was good at those two. The Lakers lost those guys. Austin Reeves, similar, can help you get those boards. So, it's not all on AD to fix that problem, but he can certainly help in terms of cleaning up the glass. Um, but as far as the other guys go, sorry, remind me again what was the what was the first part of that?
2: Where do you stand oh, on THT? 0 for 6 tonight, 0 for 2. A lot of the Chara saying Masterlock, Taylor Horn, Tucker. Uh, but yeah, where, where do you stand on him personally?
1: Oh, man. It's tough. When you look at THT tonight, no points, 0 for 6 shooting, one board. He did a couple of decent things defensively. There was a play where he stripped the ball from James Harden. Uh, it doesn't look like he got credit for, this, for a steal on it. But one block shot in 19 minutes, he just never really got it going. And you saw, so when the Lakers went, from Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson picked up two quick fouls very early in the game. And they subbed in Taylor Horton Tucker. And I went, ah, that's not, that doesn't help you. That doesn't help you going from Stanley Johnson. And how crazy is that? Stanley Johnson is on t- a 10-day contract right now, which expires in a couple of days. He's on a 10-day contract. And the guy you just made the fourth highest paid player subbing in for him is a downgrade. Now, specifically, I'm looking at that starting lineup. You put THT in, does he help with your shooting? No. Teams aren't going to guard Stanley Johnson that much behind the arc, but they're definitely not guarding THT behind the arc. Does he help you defensively? No, Stanley Johnson's the better defender right now. So you got worse on defense and didn't get anything really in terms of your floor spacing. What he does offer doesn't really help with that starting unit because you've got plenty of shot creation with Russ and LeBron and AD on the floor. So I didn't understand turning to THT in that moment. But I'll also say... He just, he's not been great, not consistently. And it makes you wonder, what does this mean for the Lakers at the trade deadline? We've heard about some teams now that are looking at him as a negative value on this contract. I don't think that's what he's going to be long-term. I think at some point, like the Lakers believe, at some point his shot's going to come around, that some of this is because he tore a ligament in his shooting hand. That I mean, that's got to be a factor here. But they're not getting the production out of him at the moment. Frankly, they need it because look at the guys they brought in. Ariza was supposed to contribute. That's not, he's not, and again, he, ankle surgery, right? Understandable. is not contributing. Dwight Howard was, was benched for this one. Maybe he can contribute when you put him in there, but he was on the bench. Uh, Wayne Ellington is on the bench. And how much does he really contribute when he's in? Kent Bazemore not contributing. You've got all of these guys that were brought in that you can't really turn to anymore. And suddenly the Lakers roster that looks so deep is looking thin. Especially if THT isn't giving you anything. If he's going to be part of a nine-man rotation, which it looks like that's what the Lakers are going for. You're starting five with Stanley Johnson and Avery Bradley. your four bench guys, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Taylor Horton Tucker. If that's what you're going to do, that's fine. But THT has to give you something. And I don't feel like he did that tonight.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment of him. Um, I think I'm not the optimist. That's Matt, but I, I am optimistic about THT. Um, he does some good things for you. I think one of the best things he's really done is really come out of nowhere recently is his ability to be a secondary playmaker and facilitator in the lineups, where it's him it's the young guys plus LeBron. So it's him, Monk, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, LeBron. I think that's the lineup Frank Vogel's rolled out. A lot of recently and you have THT be the primary ball handler pretty much and you can use some screen actions with Tim LeBron I think he's done that really well he's had moments where he's played well defensively but absolutely man I, I think THT has to provide something offensively or defensively because yeah it's you shouldn't be thinking about your fourth best player coming into the game for a guy who's on a 10-day contract like man this is actually a downgrade especially with the starters with the bench unit you're like okay you know, he might be able to provide some good defense, uh, be a good facilitator and playmaker. But that starting group, he doesn't really add much value to the starting lineup group as of right now. Hopefully that changes, though.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see I would like to see THT get on track. I think he's talented. I really think he is. But the Lakers need some consistency and they need production. They need maybe more production out of him than they thought they would heading into the season. But they need it. They really need him to step up on a consistent basis. All right. Let's get into the master lock of the night. So chat, let us know what you think. What would you put in our good buddy, Chris, the masterpiece masters finishing hold the master lock? We take whatever is the most annoying thing from the game. Sometimes it's a Laker. Sometimes somebody from the other team. Sometimes it's a referee, a specific fan that's happened. Remember courtside Karen <laughs> from last year. Sometimes yeah, the master yeah. lock goes to something like that, but let us know. What would you put in the master lock chat fire it off, and Sean I'm gonna throw it to you. who's getting your master lock tonight?
2: Let's see the chat saying base more harden
1: Russ Russ Russ's there's,
2: a, Russ's there's a lot of them man for a game where i'm I'm actually kind of upbeat about there's a lot you could go with Sean yay thanks me um <laughs> <laughs> there I think I'm gonna go with um. I'm going to go with the offensive – no, I'm going to go with James Harden. I think some of the other things we're kind of used to at this point, Russ's turnovers, we're kind of used to that. The offensive rebounds, we're kind of used to that. Um, And those things, I think, can be fixed. Actually, Russ's turnovers, as you mentioned earlier, I think this was just kind of just a bad game in terms of turnovers. He's really worked on that this month of knocking down on those. So I think James Harden is getting a lot, getting those weird fouls that you're like, man, James, why are you doing this? Stop it. It's just irritating to play against and watch.
1: I am, I'm going to agree. I'm also going to go James Harden because he was, and I normally try to do something else, but something other than than what um, the other person picked. But to me, the offensive rebounding was certainly annoying. But mm-hmm. I am not – oh, Sean Ber- Percival asking, did you get my super chat, Trev? If I missed it, Sean, fire it off again in here and I'll, um, I'll, I'll see if I can grab it. Uh, it doesn't have to be a super chat. Just fire your question and I'll see if I can snag it. I may have missed it. But um, I was so happy with the NBA at the beginning of the season because yes. they instituted the rule change to take away the James Harden, the Trey Young fouls, the foul hunting right? Where you're doing everything you can, you're hooking somebody's arm and flailing your arms through them. You're jumping sideways or backwards into a defender, right? All of these sorts of things. And tonight we saw the return of the Harden whistle, right? And not, Mm -hmm. and not whistles that most guys get. Stanley Johnson had a guy jump on his back and didn't get an and one for crying out loud, (laughs) literally jump on his back. Cam Thomas jumped on his back and Stanley Johnson didn't get a whistle and James Harden is getting whistles left and right. He drives to the basket. You look at him, it's a foul. You cannot literally look at him, but he's getting a lot of these calls again. These calls where he embellishes, he flails his head, all that, and then the whistle blows. The Harden whistle, getting rid of that, the Trey Young whistle, I think, and Trey Young may have been even more egregious with the foul hunting, especially last season. It, yes. it got ridiculous yes. to the point where, to the point where it was embarrassing to the NBA. Look, I am, and I've said this before, I'm a soccer fan. I grew up playing soccer, right? But I understand why people who don't like soccer or talk down on soccer, right? Talk bad about soccer. What do they talk about? They talk about all the flopping in soccer. It's called diving. Talk about all the people that are faking injuries, embellishing contact, Frankly, and And I don't blame them. I hate that stuff too. It's embarrassing. And I don't want to see that stuff come over to basketball. And what James Harden, what Trey Young, what some of these guys were doing is pretty darn close to what we're seeing in soccer in terms of pretending there's contact when there's not. I want to see that eliminated. And I thought the NBA did a great job at the beginning of the season, even at the expense of missing some fouls, some fouls going uncalled. I thought they did a great job. And we saw the return of the Harden whistle a little bit tonight. And that worries me. Because this was the fear heading into the season. They're going to call it, or they're going to not call it, at the beginning of the season. But as the season goes on, we're going to start sliding back. And next thing you know, he's going to be getting whistles again tonight. Nine, for, uh, nine free throw attempts for James Harden. Somebody said simulation. Yes, that's also what you see it called in soccer. Uh, so that's something that worries me moving forward. For, for the NBA and for the way the game's officiated, this is just one game but it is my yeah. pet peeve in the NBA. And so it definitely is getting my master lock, the Harden whistle, Trey Young whistle, whatever you want to call it. NBA, do not let that thing come back.
2: How would you watch, and actually really quickly, now that you brought up Harden, uh, if you remember, I think it was the year we won the, the finals, the Lakers playing the Rockets, and it was so egregious, the Harden whistle. LeBron literally had to play defense with his hands behind his back to prove a point to the refs. It kind of got to a point where like, man, we're gonna have to see that tonight for the rest to stop calling fouls. It, it was it was ridiculous.
1: I remember that that was um, and that was, I mean, it goes to show how bad it got at one point with that. Carl uh, R said, Master Lock Jeremy Grant. Yeah, we should mention this. So I, I put out a video a few hours ago, all about this. So the the word that's been going around is that Jeremy Grant. Uh, doesn't want to be a Laker. And it's not necessarily the Lakers that he doesn't want to want to join. It's, he doesn't want to be the third or fourth option on offense. He still wants to be, if he gets traded, he wants to go somewhere where he's going to be a focal point of the offense. Yeah, that's fair. If that's what he's prioritizing, okay, fine. The Lakers can't really offer him that. On top of that, they probably almost certainly aren't going to have the best trade package for Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant right now, just so you guys understand, every team in the NBA that's looking to buy at the trade deadline. Almost every team I should say has Jeremy Grant as the top of their list, right? Ben Simmons, maybe yep. he's there. Maybe he's not Depends. Do to the 76ers really think they're getting James Harden in the summer that could determine that Jeremy Grant, they know. And Jeremy Grant's easy, easy to fit in. You want to play big, no problem. He can do that. You want to play small. He can do that. You want him to defend threes? Sure. Fours. Sure. No problem. Switch. Okay. He can do all these things for you, but he wasn't a focal point of the offense in Denver. Now he is in Detroit and he's saying, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to not being that guy on the offensive end of the floor. And so I understand why he would be hesitant to become a Laker and why if the Lakers are hearing that and they already know their trade package probably isn't enough, somebody's going to offer more why they would start to focus elsewhere. And that's the sense that we're getting right now is that the Lakers are moving on from the Jeremy Grant pursuit because they're recognizing that, hey, our offer is probably not going to be the best anyway. And why do we want to force this if, if this isn't what he wants? And they're going to try to look elsewhere. I don't, and I don't fault Jeremy Grant for that.
2: Yeah, my only argument is, is that what contender is he going to go to where he's a legit number one, number two option?
1: That's a good question, and and maybe maybe going to a contender isn't something that's important to him. We we like to assume maybe. that it is. We like to assume that yeah. every player wants to go to a contender, but every player has their own individual priorities, yeah. right? They all have different different priorities in terms of what they want, um, just like any of us, right? What what I prioritize in my in a job might be different than what Sean prioritizes. What people in the chat prioritize could be different. So mm-hmm. it's possible that if he goes somewhere, maybe he wants to go somewhere where he can be the number two option, but he's the clear two to somebody else. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't mind going to Portland and being the guy next to Damian Lillard and CJ yeah. McCollum's on the way out of town. You never know. But that's apparently, from what we've heard, this isn't specifically from him, but that's apparently the decision that he's made. And if that's true, that's fine. Somebody said Jeremy Grant is not a number one option.
2: You could definitely make that argument. I don't think he's, I don't want to say I don't think he's shown. That. I think he's kind of got a, a bad situation mm-hmm. there in Detroit, but you could definitely make an argument that he's not for sure.
1: sure. All right. Sean Percival said Wall and Wood. So John Wall and Christian Wood for Russ, THT, none, a veteran minimum and a pick. Or would you rather have Eric Gordon? I think the Lakers could go big with John Wall. It's interesting. So this is an idea, and I put this out there on the Lakers Nation podcast yesterday. uh, Actually, this morning is when most people would have listened to it. The Lakers and John Wall thing. This hasn't gone away. In fact, Brian Windhorst on his podcast today, it was brought up. Essentially by by Windhorst, Mark Spears, um, Kevin Pelton was on there as well. They said, there is no trade for John Wall that's not Russell Westbrook. That's the only trade out there right now for John Wall is Russell Westbrook. There's some other you know, teams that might be kind of interested, but they're more interested like if he gets bought out. And the only trade for Russell Westbrook is John Wall. So I I think there's a little bit of smoke here. I'll also say that the Russ has been... I think Russ has been getting better, right? Tonight, five turnovers, all right. You know, but are we certain that John Wall is better than Russ? We sure, because we haven't seen him play, but I keep going back I haven't back seen to him play in a year. Yeah, he hasn't played in a year. But if anybody would know, aside from the Rockets, it's the Lakers, because he's a clutch sports guy. Rich Paul is going to know yeah. if John Wall is ready to play or not. What level is he at? They're going to know. The Lakers are going to know if they decide to make this trade. And I don't see... Russ straight up for wall, with the Lakers having to throw in their first round pick. I don't see the Lakers doing that. That's admitting you messed up, but if you can muddy the water a little bit and make it a bigger trade and bring in an air Eric Gordon or bring in a Christian Wood, okay, then maybe you've got something.
2: Maybe, yeah. It, yeah, I, I definitely don't like Russ for John Wall or, or Russ and a pick for John Wall. Um, especially because, yeah, you just haven't seen John Wall play in a year. But, I mean, again, you make a great point there. If anybody knows, it's John Wall, the Rockets, and Clutch Sports, um, Wolf, who has heavy ties and tie with the Lakers. Um, but, yeah, again, if you throw in a bigger deal, you throw in THT, none, maybe a men, and then you throw in Eric Gordon or Christian Wood. I mean, who would you rather have out of that? Would you rather have Christian Wood or Eric Gordon? I mean, I-
1: who would you rather have? In a vacuum, I'd rather have Christian Wood. But I think the Rockets will be more willing to move Eric Gordon. And they should be. He's, he's yeah. an older player. I think he's, what, 33? So it makes sense that they would be more willing to move him. I think he's played really well this season. I don't think 45% shooting from three is sustainable for Eric Gordon. Yeah. Um, it's just not. But I do think that he's that he would also help. I think he would help the Lakers to the point where where I wouldn't do John Wall for Russ right? Particularly if you're adding mm-hmm. in a pick from the Lakers side. And I've got some people in the chat saying wall is too, too risky. Wall might get injured. Yes. You definitely have to factor that stuff in yeah. and you don't know for sure what you're going to get out of wall. If you make it a bigger deal, you add in some other stuff that could potentially help the Lakers. And I could see where you're at least considering it, but you have to be, if you're the Lakers, you have to be essentially ready to admit that you messed up with the Russ trade and that it's definitely not going to yeah. work. You have to be a hundred percent sure Russ will not work and John Wall is going to be a better fit for us than Russell Westbrook. And I don't know that you cross yeah. that, that line. You may not get to the point where you're convinced of that. Uh, Dre Johnson said, we should bring in DJ Augustine if he gets bought out. Uh, they don't have a roster spot for it. Somebody asked me before, what's the likelihood the Lakers make a trade at the deadline? I think it's pretty high that they're going to make a trade.
2: This won't be a big just one. Won't be a prop, big like. one.
1: We, probably what you're going to see is the move off of a contract. Maybe just pay cash like they did with um, Denzel Valentine in the Rondo deal. Pay somebody cash to take on DeAndre Jordan or to take on Ken Bazemore in order to free up a roster spot. So if you free up a roster spot and then, say, DJ Augustine gets waived, sure, Augustine has gotten hot against the Lakers for years. He's played well against them. So I would not be opposed to that. But right now the Lakers have one roster spot open and Stanley Johnson is out of contract as of the twenty seventh. Clock's taken. So Yeah, clock's Thursday. And now he's in the starting lineup again. So you're going to give that spot to him. If you free up a roster spot, then you can start looking at who's out there on the buyout market, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Dre Johnson, I think the Lakers were banking on Kendrick Nunn being healthy to hide some of Russ's flaws. We need a decent backup point guard to help with the second unit. Yeah, agreed. I think that the Lakers were hoping to get, and that's why they paid him the mini mid-level exception. They were hoping to get a lot out of Kendrick Nunn. Did not happen uh, so far this year. All we've heard is that he's still dealing with that knee injury, the bone bruise in his knee. Hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. All right, guys, why don't we wrap things up there? We are over the hour mark again, but appreciate all of you guys joining us. Good win for the Lakers, 106-96. to 96. They beat the Brooklyn Nets. Anthony Davis is back. Next up, Thursday night, Philadelphia 76ers. Let's see if the Lakers can get a win against a pretty solid Philadelphia side. Till next time, everybody, make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that notification bell as well. See ya, and stay safe.